Tandem Namaz episode 224. The thing I think is really important is the growth that you're continually growing. You're continually open to new experiences and you never lose sight of that because it yields such rewards, such gems at any stage of life, at any stage of business. It's all about the growth. Hello, Nomad Nation. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show and entrepreneurship platform where you can find great inspiration and tips to grow a successful portable business and thrive in your global nomadic life. Nomad Nation, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know how much I love to bring in inspiring sports stories of people who make things happen. And today we have somebody who is an inspiring woman who actually has been amazing to watch grow in the past years with her great experience in building her own magazine, her own community, own audience. So to talk about this topic and the journey of growing your own business along the way and the learning lessons, I'm excited to introduce you to Donnie Alden. Donnie, are you ready for this ride? I am ready. Let's I'm do it. So excited. <laughs> Donnie, I mispronounced your last name. Could you please pronounce it for me once more? It's, it's Donnie Aldine. Aldine. Donnie Aldine. <laughs> It's not complicated. And you said it. You said it so beautifully that I'm. I'm okay with it. I'm okay. <laughs> You're so sweet, but I think it is important to pronounce everyone's name properly when they're right. Correct. So, correct. So Donnie Alden is with us today to share her journey. Let me, Nomad Nation, introduce you to her in just few words because. Her story is so long and exciting that we'll, we'll have a whole episode about that. But just a few words here. Donnie is the founder and editor-in-chief of Cultures Magazine, a multi-platform um, media network that's focused on cross-cultural identities. And the thing that draw me into Donnie as well is that how much she is all about uh, going into her own experience as she is herself a mobile Afro-Latina and first-generation American who by the age of 19 lived and identified with seven cultures and five continents. So by this experience she had started this journey of creating a whole lifestyle magazine around these topics that's fascinating and we'll know more about it. And know that Donnie has grown cultures into a global brand and is regularly reaching tens of thousands of dedicated readers. Among a lot of achievements along this journey, she also has been a featured into Folio Top Women in Media 2020 honoree, thanks to all the work that she achieved with her magazine and everything else she does, actually, because that's not all what she does. And we'll talk about that as well, Donnie. <laughs> I must have like really destroyed your bio, but I really <laughs> wanted us to discover you. Is there anything that you think was important here to say about who you are? No, I think you got it all. I'm just really excited. You know, we actually reached 208 countries with our digital publication. And we say tens of thousands because we're not keeping track of the number, but last year we reached over 1.2 million people. 1.26 million people. Um, wow. and, and that was in our e-newsletter with our print editions, which are in thousands of stores. So yeah, I'm just committed to growing the brand, to making the community bigger. It's really all about creating a sense of belonging and having people know that they matter. It's all about feeling like you matter. 
I love this, Danny, so much. And it is so impressive because I, I'm not sure when we met the first time how far you were already into this, but I've seen you grow and this was just amazing to see you put yourself out there and just and this and then suddenly you have this huge platform that you've built. Uh, I for me, what interested me initially was the content. And then as a business coach, and I look at what you've been achieving as an entrepreneur, I'm like, wow, this is quite amazing. So I'm sure you have a lot of learnings to share with us today. Um, I just want to note, you do something else also on the side, other, a lot of other things on the side. Could you just give us a sneak peek into all your well, other activities on top of that? Well, it's funny. They're not on the side. They're all part of the mix. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Sorry. <laughs> it's, it, well, you know, I'm laughing because I, I think, I mean, I get this all the time. People think they're separate. I view them as all the same. So one of the things I think you're talking about is the fact that we have a university class for Cultures Magazine. Is, am I correct? Yeah, yeah. So, tell us more about that. So yeah, it's at Colorado State University in the journalism department. I have a so my my career background is in media marketing and multiculturalism. So all of them come together; they converge to create cultures. I have an MBA. I have a background in journalism. I've worked with some of the major media brands around the world, and um, especially in the U.S. But um, for media and global culture identity, that's the name of the class. We teach students how actually to be digital nomads and how to create um, content for magazines, multimedia content for magazines, and they have the opportunity to write for Cultures Magazine. Now, very few of them get to actually be published, right? Mm -hmm. Of all the students that go through the class, only a handful are good enough for us to publish, but they get to get their feet wet. They get to understand what it takes to pitch an idea, to be included um, in a publication, whether you're in front of the camera or on the page, or if you're writing for the page or behind the camera, or even a podcast, if you're in front of the mic or behind the mic, um, they get to see what that's really like. So my work with the university to me is essential because to me, again, it's about the community. That's why I see all of this as one. Mm -hmm. So Colorado State is a big partner for Cultures Magazine. And as part of that, I've been working really hard for them to create spaces for TCKs or third culture kids, for people who grew up globally, for people who are cross-cultural and don't have a lot of people who understand who they are, truly are, right? Um, people who are cross-cultural, whether you're an expat, so digital nomad, if you are a third culture kid, if you are multi-ethnic, if your parents came from a different place, so you're first generation, you have a different understanding of the place you live now. And so the collegiate experience isn't always um, 100% knowledgeable about those people and what's best for them. So I'm looking to have Colorado State be the place that those people can come and feel like they're understood. And so finally, after 10 years, I mean, some people got it right away, but to really get a lot of people to understand, it's taken me about 10 years. And so that's a big part of what we do with the magazine. And I'm hoping, fingers crossed, fingers crossed, in the next few months that you'll see a bigger partnership with the university that's even... Wow, just I'm I'm not even gonna tell you about it because it is huge and I hope it works out. <laughs> We're gonna cross the fingers and you'll come back to tell us more about that. So yes. don't jinz it. You know, I have to say something. Oh my god, there's so many things I want to already start with, but let me try to organize my ideas right now. But 
one of the things you just said and Nomad Nation, I want to kind of highlight this for you too, is when Donnie, you said, it took me 10 years to get here. Like yes. what I've seen is not 10 years from an outside Correct. perspective. Correct. And that's the lesson for all of us, right? We think of when people reach their amazing successes and start becoming visible, yeah. we think, oh my God, how did she suddenly do that? This is yes. not something that happened from a day to another. It's a legacy of 10 years and more to come because you're working on more stuff and we'll talk about yes. it. Yes. So, Okay. I just want to highlight that and that going to be the central piece, I guess, of that journey, what you can share with us from your learning experience, getting to where you are today. But let's start with how it started. Like what got you to start cultures initially? <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, the story, man, I'll tell you. What, what got me to start, you know, I think anyone who's cross-cultural, I already described the population and the reason I picked that population. So again, expats, TCKs, uh, multi-ethnic people, first-generation people, I picked cross-cultural because it's everything about me, right? Um, we say that cultures is for people who are in between or they straddle culture, race, ethnicity, nation, or location. And I straddle all of those things, right? So if you straddle a nation, you're a domestic TCK. If you straddle um, location, that's more global, like a global nomad, uh, people who've grown up around the world. Or if you're first generation, your parents came from somewhere else, but you live in a different country and you navigate that country amongst your parents' culture as well, right? Um, or your family's culture, because it doesn't necessarily have to be parents. <laughs> or, um, you know, people who are multi-ethnic, multi-racial, which is growing by leaps and bounds around the globe, right? So I, I straddle all of those. And um, I was in, I was with my husband for 23 years. I met him sec second week of undergrad. <laughs> at 17 years old. And, um, we, uh, when we got to, I, I divorced him. And when that happened, part of why it happened is I was losing myself. And I think it's a very TCK thing. I didn't realize because it's so easy for me to fit in. Right. So easy for me to accommodate. It's so easy for me to make things work. But I'd never been in a situation where I'd been in something so long where doing that over time, you're losing yourself. Now, anybody could say, I mean, because marriage does that, can do that anyway, right? Mm -hmm. So people say, especially women, will lose themselves in the marriage or lose themselves over time, little by little. It just happens like a little chip here and a little chip here. So you lose, you know, you never realize it's happening. But he even asked me at one time, he said one day, because I wasn't really myself and I wasn't feeling like myself and I'd always been so self-assured and I was wondering what the heck is happening. And he said, do you even know who you are anymore? And I was mm. like, oh, that's an interesting question. Like, why did you ask me that question? But it really got me digging. And then, of course, I'm sure you've heard before uh, when people say, I hear it a lot, Ruth um, Van Rieken and David Pollock's book, um, which is Third Culture Kids Growing Up Among Worlds. I read that and it changed my life. I called Ruth and interviewed her for the Denver Post. And... Um, just immediately, that was 15 years ago, started just researching and doing a lot of work in that. And so 
right around when I got divorced, I had a global company at that point. Um, I had a gift manufacturing company. We sold to stores in 45 countries and that we, I had built that from nothing and we were doing very well. And I literally switched gears to do this because I learned so much about myself and I wanted other people to have that same experience, to understand that their background is really, I don't want to say created who they are, but it really enhanced who they are, right? And to understand that and to understand the nuances of that background and to embrace it. And when I learned, I mean, because a lot of the things I thought were just quirks of my personality, I thought, you know, this is just who I am, which was true, but it turned out a lot of that was who we are as TCKs, who we are as so I wanted other people to have that same feeling of understanding, that sense of belonging that I was able to get out of um, understanding, having a better understanding of my upbringing and how it made a difference in who I was and that it wasn't just me that had these personality quirks. Mm-hmm. They weren't personality quirks. They were the result of my experience. And I, I always felt like they made me better, that they made me who I was, but I wanted to share that with other people who may not know. And that's how Cultures was born. Mm-hmm. I um, happened to be speaking to Colorado State University and they talked to me about working with them and the journalism department wanted me to teach. And so how they got me, I said no for the first couple of years, but he's like, why don't you develop a class about this TCK thing you've been talking about? And I thought, well, that sounds fantastic. So uh, one of the learnings along the journey, because at the time I was so gung-ho, you and I talked to Mel about making this mainstream. Like we want this Mm -hmm. message to be mainstream, right? Mm -hmm. And I kind of went about it well, I went about it in a way of everybody should know this. Everybody should love this. Everybody, this, this affects everyone. Let's go, you know? Mm-hmm. And what was kind of daunting is in teaching the class, it was like a third, a third, a third. A third of the class fell head over heels with the information. They were fascinated. They thought it was the best. And then a third was like, eh, it's another class. You know, they enjoyed the class, but they didn't really care so much about the information. And then the last third could have cared less about um, what we did. And let me tell you, that was heartbreaking. Like I tried really hard not to focus on those people because I mean, this was something close to my heart. Like I put all my heart and soul into this. I wasn't teaching just to teach. I really wanted them to get a lot of information, not only about journalism and business and the business of creating content, but also understanding these people that are often misunderstood or not known. And so anyway, that's how we were born and that's how we evolved. Wow. This is amazing. So let's now fast forward today. Cultures today, like we said, is a global brand is actually more than just a magazine. Now it's a network. And you tell us more about that. And you've got like 10,000 people around the world and on top of it, for me, it's not only just about the number of readers, it's also the sense of community that you've built within the readership that I found amazing. And the place where I sensed it the most was in the clubhouse that you've been doing. I don't know if yes. you continue to do that. I have a team member that does it now. I mean, no, I wanted yeah. to do it. And, and I know that people really, because I, I've been doing this research for, gosh, what is it now? 
over 15 years, probably closer to 18 years now. And so I have a lot of knowledge and I have a lot of experience. So being at the university and doing, continuing to do research, talking to tens of thousands of people, I get, I have so many stories. I have so much information. So on Clubhouse, I think what was unique about it is people would come in the clubhouse and I literally would have an answer for every question. Like <laughs> I had not been stumped yet. I, there'd always been a person I'd spoken to or some research I had done or research I'd read or things we'd been um, involved in that could help the people in the clubhouse. And I think people felt that sense of community. They felt the camaraderie and that's mm-hmm. why they came back. So that's I have strange. a team member doing that now. And it's still great. I mean, the people who come still really connect, but yeah, I, it was, it was magical, but I, I can only do so many things. So I had to stop. <laughs> That's actually, we'll talk about that as well in terms of entrepreneurship. At some point you need to let go at the beginning. This was like your baby. And this yes. was a one woman show thing over the years you've grown and you've built an amazing team. I got the chance to like see some of them interact and interact with them. Can you describe how is your team composed right now? Wow. So we have, I think we have about 80 people right now. And uh, we have a core leadership team that um, our foundation is the website and the print magazine. So we're what's called digital first. And that's most media publications are digital first these days. You can't run into a newspaper or anything that doesn't put their information on the internet first. So we are digital first and then we curate the best of our content um, and especially write content for our print publication. We consider our print publication our luxury experience. It's like if you went, Amel, you'll be getting a copy. So um, when you sit down and you feel the paper mm-hmm. and you go through the stories, it's intended for you to savor it. It, it really, the sight, what you see, the pictures that we have, because the pictures are phenomenal, the stories which engage your brain, the feel feeling of the paper. Hopefully you sit down with some food or some wine or some tea and go through this publication. Um, even the scent of the paper and how it smells, it's a full on sensory experience and it's intended to put you in a certain state and that enhances the sense of belonging. So, you know, we start with digital, digital first, we go to print. And then from there, I mean, even if you follow our Instagram, if you go to Clubhouse, we just really try to expand the community and give value in a way that people feel like their cup is full when they walk away. Yes. And I can, I, I did actually get the magazine long ago and I do experience that like it's the quality is now it's like a quality magazine. Um, and there's the quality of the pictures, but there was one thing for me that I want to highlight that I was mentioning to you, what I love about your content, and that's where you can maybe bring in some of your expertise here, living, having worked in the expat field and in the TCK field, and our content seems very often to be very focused on that expat thing and that Mm -hmm. very specific niche. What I found amazing of what you managed to do and for me where I resonated was how you managed to make your content very mainstream where everybody can read it you don't need to be a TCK to actually enjoy the content learn from it and get entertained as well 
But if you're a TCK, it has that extra twist that yes. makes you say, oh my God, I resonate. And that's where I feel the sense <gasps> of belonging. I'm like, I am unique and you see it, but I also want all the other things, the superstars that you talk about, the politics um, that you talk about. It seems like the conversation until now around a cross-cultural people and communities has been stuck in that bubble. And you managed to actually grow that bubble to the mainstream topics as well. I was so excited when you and I talked about that because to me, that's important, right? I mean, when you read a magazine, if you read an L or a Vogue or an Architectural Digest, I mean, you're looking for lifestyle content. You want something that enhances your life, right? And so that's what we wanted to do, but from a TCK lens, from a cross-cultural lens, from a multiracial lens, we wanted to give stories that people could relate to and, and that brought value to their lives, but also have that little twist where you knew this story was written just for you, right? So someone who isn't part of this in-between community might not understand it, but the person who is, is like, oh, wow, nobody's ever said that before. Nobody ever got that before. Or that's a new piece of information I didn't have. So, you know, we look through every single magazine. We look for uh, visual diversity and content diversity in the magazine. We try to have a story for every part of our audience. So there's typically an expat story. There's typically at least one of each, a TCK story, a cross-cultural story, a multi-ethnic story, a mixed race story. And so until I told you that, you probably didn't notice, mm -hmm. but we painstakingly go through and make sure that visually the entire globe is represented mm -hmm. and that content wise everyone in our community is represented so you never go through an issue and feel like you didn't see yourself in the pages and that's what i felt and this is why i love um what you do so this takes talent and expertise and excellence to be able to do that so this this journey where you are now is pretty amazing i would love to dive now into how you managed to do that so let's start a little bit with the pragmatic aspects before we talk more about the mindset aspects of this journey is there any specific actions you took to be able to go to where you were 10 how many years is it now Uh, well, it's, well, it's seven years since I started the yeah. publication, but 10 years is what I was trying to get the university involved. Yeah. So 10 years. So what are the, when did you start seeing traction and what has helped that traction happen? So, um, oh, wow. I guess, you know, okay. I'll tell you something that I think is quite funny. <laughs> when we started the the print publication, like we started, we got traction when we started the magazine completely. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but what I find is those early adopters, and I think anyone in business, any entrepreneur will see this, those early adopters often aren't going to be the same people, like every stage of growth that you go through, you're going to have different people who are with you, right? right? And most of those people in those early stages aren't going to make it to the next stage, right? Mm -hmm. It's a different kind of person that you need. It's a different kind of help that you need. It's a different kind of champion that you need for your brand. And so even though we had traction early on, I very quickly, because we grew very quickly, had to learn how to switch the game so that we were doing the optimal for 
the company for the publication and to move forward. Okay, right? so tell me more about that. I'm really interested about what you said here about what did you have to switch so that it works when you started having traction? Well, you know what? <laughs> I really had to switch my mindset. Okay. <laughs> so this weekend you and I talked about, I mean, I'm in Colombia right now and I was uh, in the Colombia, rem- the country, by the way. Yes. Not the state. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and not the university. <laughs> I, I was in an archipelago off the coast of Cartagena, uh, South America in Colombia. And, um, we had very little reliable connectivity, right? Mm -hmm. And in that, I met a woman who does consulting for um, organizations and her expertise is organizational change. So we had a huge conversation about this because she said one of the things that entrepreneurs, uh, especially founders, have a problem with is they have the passion, they have the vision, they have the ability but they don't have what it takes often to build a team and motivate a team, right? So true. And so I, I tie that in to my, um, my answer of mindset, because what I realized, shockingly enough, is I had a scarcity mindset when I started this publication. And let me tell you what that means. <laughs> It was, I was, even though it's like, what do you mean you have a scarcity mindset? You like started a global publication, you're spending all this money, you had all these people, you you hit hit the audience with a bang right out of the gate. But what was scarcity or what was scarce for me is I made my decisions out of fear. I didn't know, again, you and I spoke about lifestyle. Every other TCK brand, every other TCK cross-cultural expat magazine, publication, podcast, all the things were all TCK all the time, all expat all the time, all mixed race all the time. Everyone talked about their one thing and nothing else. All the stories were about that. And I was like, you know what? I don't, why do I want to do that? I want to know about life. I want to know about life from my point of view, from, you know, these different points of view that no one ever talks about, that no one understands. I want to give you content that you get because no one else gets you. Right. Mm. And so, um, I didn't know that anybody else wanted that. (laughs) Right. And so uh, little, little did I know, I mean, looking back, I realized that I made decisions out of the fear. So I picked good people to be part of the team, but I also picked people like, Oh my God, you you're interested. You like it. You think it's a great idea. Okay. Let's go. You know? And those weren't the people that I needed later. They're great to start with. Uh Um, but they weren't the ones later. And mostly for us, there were people who saw where we were going. And so they were champions and, and they really were motivational, but they weren't necessarily fully bought into the the kind of work that needed to be done to Mm -hmm. get us where we are now. If you had to do something differently, what would it be? Gosh, I mean, I would, I would love to say to have the mindset from the beginning, but I don't know that that's ever possible. I mean, I could have gotten rid of the scarcity mindset. Had I known, I definitely wouldn't have done that. But what's different is you will always have that growth. If it wasn't scarcity, it was, it would be something else because it's part of the journey, right? It's, it's part of the journey. Yes. And every stage is different. Every stage is different. You have to be prepared for it. You have to be able to switch gears right away, not lament 
not be sad, not be upset and be ready for that change because that's where companies falter. That's when they shutter. That's when they close. That's when they're not able to get to the next level. You have to be prepared for the change to come and then be the leader that can make the change and have your team follow. Right. So where, what did you do to surround yourself with the right knowledge experience that you needed to take this to the next level and to make this vision that you had happen? Well, I am continually learning. So uh, the same consultant I was talking to you about, uh, we were laughing because most people see education as a destination, right? Oh, you got your undergrad, you got your MBA, or some people don't even get those kind of degrees. They have street smarts or they just, they're entrepreneurs, uh, entrepreneurs that work along the way and understand what, how business works. Um, but for me, it's not a destination. It's always the journey. So I'm always learning. I'm always reading something, uh, listening to podcasts like yours learning more, even topics that I, that I'm a quote unquote, an expert in. I always listen to other people because you can always pick up a tidbit. There's always something, a nuance, a way of seeing it, a way of doing it that will enhance how you do it now. So that's the biggest thing. And I tell my students at university this now, never stop learning. That's, I think stagnance being stagnant is, um, it's probably the kiss of death, as I would say, and it'll keep you young. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. And it's so, so true. And I can share from my own experience as you grow a business at some point. I actually have a whole episode about this, like how, you know, at the beginning of the journey, you consume a lot of content, you learn a lot. And at some point you need to implement the danger of implementation is that you're so focused into implementing that at some point you might stop learning as well. So it's yes. really important very quickly to observe, you know, the trend you're going into and seeing if you're getting too comfortable into your ways and not trying things new and shifting and, and things like that. And there is maybe a danger that you might become stagnant. And then this is how big companies lose it, like Kodak and, and other big mm-hmm. brands in the world who just lost it because they got too comfortable and they were not yes. what was happening around them. And suddenly yes. the market is shifting and you don't even realize when you wake up and see how you're not fitting in anymore into that. I mean, this is what happened to media. This is what happened to newspapers and magazines. And oh, I never finished telling you that story. People, uh, when you said, what was the, um, what was the point, the pivot point? Mm -hmm. And it was when we went to print and most people say it would say, because quote unquote print was supposed to be dead. Right. Mm -hmm. And they'd say, why would you make a print magazine? But that was the point where we really amped up our growth. People see print as tangible people, even generation alpha, which is the youngest people right now. Right. They, um, and I, I teach Gen Z and, and millennials, um, it would be older or younger millennials at this point, but Gen Z, Gen alpha, um, and you'd be shocked. I mean, yes, they grew up digitally, but they really appreciate some things in print. When I give them a choice, they prefer things in print. Now you have to have things in digital, but no one can deny the sensory experience of print. And that's what um, newspapers and magazines uh, missed. And even books missed is they, they saw, you know, the internet was coming. They thought they were too big and, and too ubiquitous for anyone to destroy them or not want to read them. And mm-hmm. so they ignored it. 
And the only ones who really have survived, like the New York Times is doing really well, are the ones who embrace digitals early and, and switched make it a and pivoted. mixed media and mix yes. it. It's not like you, yes. you copy it, you mix it. It's not yes. like you read the same article on the paper and then in the digital. No, you make the experience be a symbiose of yes. of digital plus paper somehow. There you go. That's there something. you go. I want to talk now about, I mean, it's so inspiring what you shared about that journey where you had to shift and learn. We talked about you know, mindset of scarcity. We talked about the importance of continuously learning. Mm -hmm. One thing that I hear from my audience and Nomad Nation, if you're there, let's see how this resonates with you. But often I get to meet with people with some amazing ideas and it's like, okay, I have the idea. Now, where do I start? Mm. And there is a process through that, right? There is a process of how to get started. So, so I would love to know if you could share any tips of how you got, where, where did you get started? You mean with cultures? Yeah. Like with a magazine, what did you start implementing to bring that vision to reality? Wow. Well, so I, I don't think this is the answer that most people could relate to, but I'll tell you where I got started. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess technically I got started in undergrad <laughs> because I mean, I was lucky in that I really feel like this is my life path. I feel like mm. this was why I was born. So if you look at my entire career, so I told you I had this. Um, and let's talk this. about like the ma the actual magazine, right? Because otherwise, I do believe one thing that you're trying to say, sorry, I'm interrupting. No, it's and good. I, and tell me if you resonate. One thing that I feel this is going through is how in our lifetime Somehow, once we wake, once we, sometimes we wake up and look how everything came together. It was yes, meant to be. Exactly. Like everything in our life was piled up piece by piece. Even at the time, we didn't know what that was. Yes, exactly. We see how the big picture is coming in. So, yes. 100%. But I'm kind of and curious for the magazine itself. Once you said, okay, let's go into an action plan. Uh, yes. Literally, how do I turn? this into a digital platform and a paper magazine. Yeah. Where, and that's where did you need to start? Pragmatic? That's exactly where I was going. I mean, I really, the reason I went so far back is because I think, um, I mean, I looked up and I said, I'm going to do this. It's like, what can I do? I want to create community. I want to bring people together. What can I do to do that? Oh, I'm going to create a magazine because that was my background. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I have a media background from undergrad plus all of my, um, work experience. And then I, I had gotten my MBA when I had my business, when I was an entrepreneur. And um, with that came all the contacts from business, all the contacts from um, media, and also the knowledge of how print and mm -hmm. online worked, right? right. So that's yeah. why I say it's yeah. it's a little bit different um, right. in that I had all of that and I very quickly, so within three months, I started the magazine. Like I pulled everything together. We had graphic design, we had logos, we had our brand book, we had all the things and um, press releases, all the things because I knew how to do those and I had contacts to help me. But go ahead. No, you're the you're right about one thing is that you've been doing this before. It's not like it was something new for you. Your expertise was in the field. 
But what was different was the field. And that's what made it hard and different, right? Like, and so along the way, the learning and keeping open-minded and making sure that I was focusing on growth all the time and keeping my eyes on the prize, that's what made the difference. That's how I was able to pull it together. Because I think I think entrepreneurs will be able to relate. A lot of people, especially this goes back to what I was saying about the people you start with and how they're not the people you're with late, later uh, or with you later. A lot of people see the vision, they love it. They see that you're growing places, but they want the vision to be different. So I had many people suggest, well, you should do it this way, or you should do it that way. Or how about this? I think it should be this instead. And you have to be confident enough in your vision and very steadfast to be able to say, Hey, that sounds awesome. And I think you should go do that for yourself. Right. And not step into that pothole of going, oh, well, maybe they're right. Let me do it this way. Or hmm, maybe I should tweak this or change this because there will always be people giving you suggestions on how to do it differently. And I'll tell you what, this is my best piece of advice. Don't listen to people who haven't been where you're going. This is so important, Donnie. Thank you for sharing that. This is so key. What And it actually ties with a question I wanted to ask you. How do you make that difference uh, between listening for, to advice, learning, and actually listening to instinct. Mm, oh my gosh, that's so big. Oh my gosh, that's so big. <laughs> do you know, so I do affirmations and I do this very intense body cleanse, a 90-day cleanse once a year. And uh, with that comes these affirmations. I won't go into it, but my affirmation with the cleanse I just finished was um, I listen to my inner voice and I act confidently. And it always amazes me every time I do this cleanse that these very clear messages come to me because it's always something that I need to do. And my entire life, I've had such strong intuition that's been so key and pivotal for me. But there's so many times that I question it because I don't, I don't see the other side. I'm like, well, let's say it says, don't hire that person, but this person on paper looks amazing. Oh my gosh, they're just exactly what we need. Let's go this way. But then something in your pit of your stomach is saying, "Mm, yeah, maybe why don't you hold off on that? And you say, your brain says, oh, but you know, they're so great. This is what you need. And you still have that nagging feeling and you ignore it or you poo-poo it, or you come up with a reason that, that that's not it. Oh, I'm just too scared to do it. Or I'm scared that they're too expensive or whatever the case may be. Right. And then a couple months down the road, it's like, dang it. I should have listened to that, that queasy feeling I had. Right. (laughs) So, so um, yeah. So my affirmation was like, act confidently. So if I could say anything about intuition, that's what I would say. Even if you don't understand why it is, act confidently on it. And it's never gotten me in a bad spot. That's amazing. And, you know, I think your story is just the embodiment of something I keep telling, you know, I'm all about systems. I'm all about organization, Mm, about marketing strategies. One thing that I know, and I keep telling my clients when I work with them, so there's no strategy that works. If first of all, you don't have the right mindset, but also if you don't understand that the entrepreneurial journey is a spiritual journey. Mm. (laughs) And when you talked about affirmation, I really believe that. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that what makes the difference between two people who implement the same strategy. It's whether you lead from a place of fear 
or you lead from a place of abundance. And mm. that is a work that's, that's, that's some serious work to do in terms of beyond like internal work to do. And you talked about your 90 day cleansing, for example, uh, mm -hmm. that's something that I truly believe that makes a difference because you're basically programming your mind to be in the right state of mind, to be able to lead with clarity. Yes. Yes. A thousand percent. Yes. I can't recommend it enough. It's you're so on point with that. I mean, and the spiritual part, even the cleansing, there's such a spiritual, it's a, it's a mind, body, spirit connection that really takes you to the next level. So I love it. Is there any resources you want to share later about all the things you can do that I can share in the show notes episode? Oh my goodness. Martina. Yes. So, um, what I, what we do is we put resources up on our website. First of all, for all of your listeners, we give a 20% discount. So I'll give you a special code for that. Oh, nice. And in addition to that, yes, definitely. We could put up one sheets that talk about um, places they can go to start their spiritual journey or um, the different things that you can do when starting a business to make sure that you make good decisions and keep in a growth mindset. I mean, that's still my number one tip. Like, yes. um, just stay open always. Don't ever feel like you've gotten there. I don't care how big you get. That is what will continue your growth and your vision. And you'll be able to, um, help the most affect the most people and affect the most change in the world. I love this so much, Donnie. This is so good. And thank you for offering the special discount for the community of Tandem Nomads, as well as the resources you mentioned. Nomad Nation, I'll put all, as much information as possible for you about this topic that we discussed today on tandemnomads.com slash 224. I will put all that information right there for you. There's so much more we can cover together, Donnie. I think this is just, we just started cracking uh, through the topic here, but um, it's been just amazing and inspiring to watch you grow. Could you just in a few words, let us know what's next now for youth cultures? Oh my gosh. Well, we have some big things in store. I can't share now, but, um, well, I can't, sh I'll share this one. How's this? I did mention to you that we're on XOTV. XOTV is a new streaming platform that as of June, which is today actually, um, should be able to, um, uh, subscribe on your TV right next to Hulu and Netflix. So on a Samsung or a Hisense TV. So we have nine TV shows, lifestyle shows with cross-cultural content that will begin airing. And so, yeah, that's our next big thing. This is amazing. I can't wait to <laughs> learn more about that. So nomination, this episode will be aired long after that. So this is fantastic. We're going to, yeah, we're, we're going to be airing this in july 2021 okay okay so, so we should be we should yeah. all the kinks should be out by the time this airs <laughs> yeah so stay tuned and follow that we'll put all the links of anything interesting regarding that into the show notes of this episode as well uh so that the the nomad nation can get their hands over it before we say goodbye donnie is there any message or key advice you want to share last one um, for those who have this big vision and want to lead with clarity uh, and reach their dreams and make big things happen like you did? I would say stay steadfast in your vision 
Don't let anyone lead you astray. And we talked about that. So listen, because you want to grow, listen to others and to yourself. And paramount is to listen to yourself. And that's important because if you truly are growing, if you truly are staying open, that means you're open to other ideas and you'll know when to implement those ideas versus getting stuck in your own rut and only listening to yourself. But if you're growing, you can listen to others and know when to decide what they're telling you is the way to go or what you are telling yourself is the way to go. So stay in a growth mindset, stay open and stay steadfast. Amen to that, Donnie. Thank you so, so much for your great insight. So where's the best place to find you? At culturesmag.com. So cultures has no E, C-U-L-T-U-R-S, mag.com. And that stands for the hidden diversity of our population, the missing E. Oh, love that. I never got that point. Oh, of yes. course. Oh, God. <laughs> now I get it. <laughs> of course. How could I miss that? Oh, my God. Love it. Thank you so much for inspiring us, Donny. It's been lovely to have this chat with you. I could continue to chat with you for hours. <laughs> Thank you. This was great. I loved it. Thank you so much. And I love your show. Oh, thank you so much for listening. Pay attention and love it. And Nomad Nation, I hope you got inspired by Donnie's story. It's all about nourishing yourself with these inspiring stories today. And um, just as Donnie said, just go for it. Learn, keep growing. But don't forget to listen to your instinct while getting really clarity and not leading from a place of fear. That's really important. So Nomad Nation, I look forward to meeting you in the next episode. Stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities.